Well, good morning. Let's be seated. You know, I, uh, I, I do a conference occasionally in uh, Fiji with Pastor Suli. Um, it's a big conference, and they take up the offering, of course, and, and in Fiji, they, I think this last conference they just had, they raised, I was just told, $1.2 million, and uh, this is amongst a very poor, com- poor community and people from all around the world, and, uh, and I know for a fact that the pastors that take up the offering, they, they pray and fast for a week before they would dare stand in the conference and take up the offering. So when they get there to take the offering up, it's incredibly powerful. And actually, it's sometimes better than the main message. And I thought this morning, my friend, that was just like being in Fiji. I don't know whether you fasted and prayed for a week, but I tell you, I could preach a few messages out of that. I want your notes. It is a great joy to be here. Um, indeed, I've known Pastor Mike for um, more than 30 years, actually. And, uh, you know, being a little bit prophetic, I can sometimes get a little uh, depressed, wouldn't be the right word. But you pick up stuff and you sort of can sometimes, especially in my earlier days, get bowed down uh, over that. And then Mike will arrive. And, uh, you know, it annoyed me. It used to annoy me because I couldn't stay in that state because within two minutes, he'd be hitting me and tickling me and joking with me and I'd have to laugh. And it was just a pain, but it was wonderful. And uh, he's just been a great friend and we have had great adventures of God, done conferences uh, together. And uh, I am just so delighted that in October, uh, the uh, Vietnamese Baptist Church in Houston Uh, has huge influence around the world, Uh, and I've had a lot of favor there. Just been in Norway speaking to their conference with the Vietnamese up there. Um, But this this is videoed, and it goes all around the world into Vietnam. Uh, Illegally, people watch this stuff, and uh, the pastor there, the apostle, said he wanted, um, he felt the Lord say, bring three New Zealanders, and so, of course, the one New Zealander I wanted to um, come with me was uh, Pastor Mike, so he's going to come and also pass the matter. I've been it from Kawarau. Uh, we are going to have a whale of a time. And uh, you're very welcome to come if you pay your own way in your own hotel. Um, I think it's just going to be one of the best conferences I've ever had there. Because um, when Mike and I get together, it's just like everything starts to flow wonderfully. And I just love it so much. Um, and of course, as I said to you a few weeks ago, whenever I was here, I mean, this is a church I love. I, uh, I just feel home. I, I love so many of you. I've, I've known many of you for quite a number of years, and uh, it's just absolutely fantastic. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, to Habakkuk. Now, for some of you who don't know where Habakkuk is, it is in the Bible, and uh, if you go to uh, Ezekiel and Hosea and Amos and Obadiah and Nahum, you'll suddenly hit the book of Habakkuk, and uh, he's uh, one of the, what we call one of the minor prophets. Um, I'd have to say that this is probably my favorite book in the Bible, believe it or not, because it's just so incredibly gutsy. If I could just take a moment to contextualize what I'm about to read. Habakkuk is like all of us at times, questioning why things are the way they are. 
I certainly have done that many times. Where, like my church, you're a Holy Spirit church. And you've asked the question many times, when will revival come to New Zealand? When it will come to our church? And we have seasons where the Spirit of God moves, but we also have seasons where the warfare is so intense, we actually wonder whether we'll be able to survive that moment in history. And, uh, and so all sorts of questions begin to get asked of your heart. You wonder, God, why are you not fulfilling your promises that you've promised to us? Lord, why is the vision that we've had for so long just seem to be going nowhere? And why is the call that I have carried in my heart not seem to be coming about? We all have those questions if we're very honest. And sometimes those questions can become so intense that we actually get angry and we get angry at God. And this is exactly where Habakkuk is at. He is just angry. And chapter 1, he rants and raves at God. In the middle of it, he sort of gets into his right mind and starts to talk properly. But the next thing you know, a few verses later, he's ranting at God. And then when he's finished all of this and let his anger sort of spit out, because he had, if you like, a old covenant mentality, he's waiting for God to kill him because he realizes he's gone too far. I want to tell you something. God's much bigger than that. Now, there are Christians who think you should be judged. They don't understand the God I know. They don't know the God that I know. Oh, they are Christian, but their perception of God is as a God who is angry, a God who will bring judgment, a God who wants to do bad things to you because you're a bad person. But I don't know that God. I know a God who loves me, who delights over me. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will rejoice over you. That even despite my failings and my weaknesses, my Father in heaven loves me so much. He delights over me. And actually, I reckon some of the things that I think are so bad about my life, he doesn't even know about because he doesn't actually particularly care. Or there are some of you here today would disagree with that, but then you don't know the God I know. You know a different God. It's not the, the Father in heaven that I know. Hey, you can stick with your God, but my God loves me so much. Hey, and he's the same God that was there through 4,000 years of the Old Testament. And Habakkuk didn't really know God until this moment in chapter 2. And he's waiting for lightning to come down from heaven and to strike him and kill him because God must be so angry with him. And so in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. In other words, rebuked. So that's what he's expecting. He's expecting God to have a go at him. And I love the answer. The answer says, and the Lord answered me and he said, record the vision and scribe it on the tablets 
that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. And God completely ignores the ranting and raving. He does not answer the questions. Because the questions from the perspective of God are irrelevant. The issues are not relevant to anything. What's relevant is something much greater than that. It's a vision that God has. Because it goes on to say, all the earth will be filled with the glory of God. God ignores it. I want to tell you something right now. That there are many things in our lives that we think God is very aware of and actually he's ignoring. He's not even aware of it because he's bigger than you and he's bigger than your little indiscretions. Hmm. I like that, God. You keep your angry God. I'll keep my loving God. God says, go and record the vision, man. Write it down. It tarries, but it also hastens. Did you notice that? The contradiction that he said there? Though it hastens, yet it tarries. Though it's coming quickly, yet it's not coming quickly. And what it's saying is this, that um, in the economy and timing of God, things are coming quickly. But in our mentality, it seems to be there's a great delay because we don't understand that the ways of God are different from the ways of man, that he's a sovereign God, he's doing sovereign things, and he knows better about the best time for the vision to be fulfilled. So it tarries from our mentality, but from his mentality, it is hastening toward the goal. And that means that we have to have a position of faith with regards God. And my question today is, what is the vision for your church and for your own heart? That's an important question because, you see, the thing about vision that is so incredibly powerful is it has the ability to enable us to live above and beyond the little issues daily that happen. You see, a person who does not have vision clearly defined in their lives, then, then what their vision becomes is the little indiscretions that each one has, and they make mountains out of molehills. And issues that should not have become issues become issues because they are driven by self-centeredness and they are not driven by some, something that is birthed out of the heart of God and out of the revelation of God. And so as a result, because they've lost vision, they've actually lost what it's all about. And so then they become more concerned about how this person's reacting and about how that thing's being done over there and how this thing's happening in church. And it just becomes pathetic. They've lost vision. It's like a man who's just left my church recently. And he said, I don't like the drumming because it's too angry on the drums. And I thought, you stupid man, you don't get it. I want to have contemporary music. This is not about you who's 60 years of age. 
you should be now mentoring and discipling young people, and you should be delighting in the fact that the drums are loud, the kick drum is booming with the subwoofers, and you're shaking a little bit in your chest as it happens, because you know that this music is relevant to a contemporary group of people, and if we don't pass the baton and give to the next generation great things, then we're going to die. So I thought you're better off out of it. Mountains out of molehills. But you see, what vision does, it gives you strength and hope for the future. But I noticed something that has increasingly occurred in the body of Christ around New Zealand anyway, is that there is a lot of people that today say, we don't want to hear about vision. And they've got tired of hearing about vision there's lots of reasons for that, but the truth of it is, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, without vision, the people are unrestrained. That's what the Hebrews say. In other words, they will do what they like to do. So you can always tell a person who has no vision because, it, because church and, and, and Christianity becomes about themselves and therefore... If it doesn't suit them, they're going to move on. See, when vision is lost in a church or in an individual, then they, people turn in on themselves. They make issues, big issues. But what vision does, it reveals and defines what you're about. And that's what he says there. Look, have a cuck. Forget all your complaints Forget all the issues. Just get back to the thing that you've lost, which is vision. Because that's what's going to actually rule your future. But he says the vision delays, and there's always going to be a delay over vision. You know that? Because in the delay is the time of testing. Because if we want to see God move powerfully, and I'm going to talk to you about the most remarkable move of God I have ever seen in New Zealand that's happening right now this morning and in a few moments. But that could not happen if hearts had not been tested in this environment to see who is with you and who has got another agenda. Because when vision starts to be fulfilled, it creates a requirement of the people that are under that vision to get in behind it because revival, believe it or not, is unbelievably hard work. And it requires everybody to get on board. And it is not the time to complain about the music or to complain about some other aspect of the church life. Because when revival comes and when the vision starts to be fulfilled, we become so busy because new people are coming to Christ, new salvations, recommitments. The prodigals start to return, and we suddenly find we haven't got time to be like the spectators on the All Blacks game who think they know all the answers, but they're not playing the game because it's only when you play the game do you know what the problems really are. Hmm. 
I know a little bit about what's happened in the church here in recent times, and it's been my absolute delight and privilege to help you transition some of the things. And uh, I'm here to announce something to you this morning that, like my church, you've had a vision for a move of God for our nation. If you really could have spent the time with Pastor Mike and myself over the years, how often we spoke in my home or his home or in hotel rooms or cafes, and we said, you know, we've held to the things of the Spirit, but when is it going to be our turn to see growth and to see the, the things that we've believed in? You know, sometimes it has been incredibly hard to hold to the vision of revival by, the, by a biblical revival, which is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Very, very hard. Because we're in a, a, a time of secularization where the church has looked at how to be successful and they have adopted a secularized mindset instead of a supernatural mindset and they don't even realize that they have adopted the ways of the world to build the church. Now that's all very good, it builds numbers, but it, but it doesn't build the type of people that Jesus wanted, which is people that moved in signs, wonders and miracles. And when John the Baptist asked of Jesus, are you really the one? He sent an answer back, and the answer wasn't about theology, and it wasn't about doctrine, and it wasn't an intellectual answer. This is what he said. He said, well, go and tell John the blind are receiving sight, the lepers are getting healed, the cripples are walking. And I think it was six out of seven of the signs that he was the Messiah was actually about miraculous intervention. And one of the greatest revivals of Jesus' ministry was with a Samaritan woman. And Jesus stands and he looks out and he sees the whole city coming toward him. And he says, the fields are white, ready for harvest. And so an evangelist will come to our church. Like it says in another part of that story, another gospel, he says, send out, pray for workers. And so the evangelist will come out and say, the fields are white for harvest. And the problem is, there's not enough workers. You naughty person, why are you not working in the harvest? What is the matter with you, church? You are not doing what God's called you to do. You are very bad. And so who will now volunteer to become workers? And we all sit there feeling condemned, feeling a failure, thinking we've done something wrong. As he growls at us, he just forgot one thing, that that revival happened because of a word of knowledge. But Jesus, in discussing with this woman her life, he says, well, go and call your husband. And uh, she says, well, I haven't got a husband. He said, yeah, you've said right. You've had about four or five husbands or whatever it says, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. And uh, she said in nice terms, shoot. But she probably said it in a different way, if you read between the lines. And she goes back. And she says to the men of the city, because she was known very well by the men. I mean, she'd had quite a few men by this stage. So, you know, all the men knew her. And she says, guys, come and see the man. And listen to what she said, who has told everything about my life. Everything. 
I mean, isn't it remarkable, eh? And, uh, and uh, one word of knowledge, he had a word of knowledge about the fact that she was an adulterer and she'd broken all these relationships and she, her life was a mess with marriages. It was just one word of knowledge. But then, so all these people come out of the city. We've got to see this man that's told this woman everything about her life. And, uh, and Jesus looks up and he says, look, the fields are white. What's the issue? The issue is not for the evangelist to come into your Sunday morning service and growl at you for being lazy and stupid and not getting out there being workers. What a terrible and horrible thing for any person to say to Bay City Outreach Center if that's ever happened. Because actually all he's saying is just let the power of God work. Let the gifts of the Spirit work. And you'll be surprised what the Lord might do. See, I don't need an evangelism seminar, you know. I, I, everyone wants to give me an evangelist seminar. I almost say, get behind me, Satan, but I wouldn't say it that way. Um, I don't want an evangelism seminar. I don't need an evangelism seminar because there is a seminar in the Bible of evangelism. It's called the Nine Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Some of you are not sure about that, but you have a look. Evangelism happened right through the entire New Testament through signs, wonders, and miracles. And that's why Pastor Mike Connell, Pastor Dave Connell, and Brent Douglas are people who believe in the Holy Spirit and why our vision is for a Holy Spirit-empowered people who will bring the kingdom of God from heaven down to earth. Hallelujah. But you see, when trouble comes and vision is delayed and answers do not come, we start to question the vision. And then we look for other answers. And then we compromise the ways of behavior to try to find a solution. But you see, often the vision is delayed, but it is hastening. And I know that through all the trials and traumas that I have been through, the vision is hastening toward the goal. And like this church, I have been and am going through probably the most difficult period of time in pastoring my church. Oh, it was so funny. 18 months ago, we celebrated this celebration of 30 years of pastoring in Counter Christian Centre. And it was a great time. They, they took a, a, an offering up, and there was enough money to send me to Tonga to do deep-sea fishing. I didn't get a marlin. I thought, thought that was unjust. I didn't get a giant tuna bigger than myself. I thought that was unjust. I did get a, 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 a giant trevally. That nearly killed me just to pull that thing in. Phenomenal fish about that big, and you weren't allowed to have drag on it because it would break the line, and nearly pulled me out of the boat. I did get a few mahi-mahi. I didn't get my marlin, and it was great, and I was so grateful. And now today, many of those people that celebrated with me have left my church, long-standing members. So you've been through pain as a church, and so have I. I'm going through it at the moment. But isn't it funny? I've held on to a vision for revival. And right now, that vision is being fulfilled. I've waited for somewhere in our nation for a revival to hit. 
I've held to the things of the Spirit, and now it's my privilege to oversee what I would say is the most remarkable move of God in the 30 years that I have ever been, that I have seen in New Zealand. I went for five months, four nights a week to Timaru, um, and saw great meetings go from 60 to 500 people, but it was nothing like what is happening right now in Kaurau. And here's the thing. In the midst, and I'm going to talk to you about this and what's actually going on in a moment, but you see, I want to just put a bit of biblical perspective to this in Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 17, where he says this, For though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, Though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He's made my feet like hinds feet and he makes me walk on the high places. He's saying, it doesn't actually matter what's going on. I'm going to hold the vision and and, and even if things fail all around me, I'm going to keep exalting God. And why does he keep exalting God? Because he's talking about fruit on trees and, and cattle and all of that stuff. And he's saying, look, the harvest at the moment and, and the season at the moment is failing. But, but underneath all of that is the understanding that with every season, eventually it's going to change and eventually it's going to be a good season. And where there was a drought last year, this year it's not going to be a drought because God is a good God. And all he's doing is testing our faith and testing whether we, in the time of harshness and difficulty, will stay faithful to him and he says at the end of it all when it's all worked out I don't care what happens I will exalt my God I will keep in praise to God and we'll wait and see for that season to change and so it's ironic that for me I'm facing some of the greatest pain and yet I'm facing some of the greatest joy as I'm watching what God's doing I want you to show you a video of Mark Sharona, and uh, he just get it ready. And Mark is a prophet. I, I've met him. He prophesied over me about 18 months ago. Some of you may have seen this prophecy. Could you play that for me, please? is the 
prophesied would be how far the outpouring would go in the last days. At the beginning of, um, as I began to face the, the concluding of uh, people making decisions to leave the church, long-standing members, some have been in the church for 30 years, and feeling the incredible intense pain of this, I, would, I was sent a link by a pastor to a little video, which I'm not going to play for you, but by a man by the name of John Kilpatrick um, from the United States. He was speaking to the United States, but it was speaking directly to me personally. And he said that the church is about to go through 100 days of redefinition. And the 100 days finished on June the 6th, which you will discover in a few moments is highly significant for New Zealand. And, uh, and he described intensely, it seemed, what we were facing in our church as, as people were, were choosing to leave and other people were saying, we're going to stay, we believe in the vision. In about October last year, I was in Houston, Texas, and I had been a number of times to uh, this group of uh, African-Americans led by Matthew Bismarck, and they were here a few weeks ago with their team. And I took the bold uh, thing of saying, would you come to New Zealand, but we can't pay for you because we don't have the money in New Zealand to pay for, you know, 15-odd airfares, but I'd love to have the band here and, and, uh, and Matthew, if you would come. And they felt it was God and they came. And just before they were about to come, this girl who, this woman who, her name is Maggie, her father was, uh, she's from Mexico, and her father was a mafia boss in Mexico, a woman that has been raped and traumatized like you wouldn't believe. And the Lord woke her up one night, and at the end of her bed was an angel standing there. And I want to read actually exactly what she said, because I want to make sure um, that we get it absolutely correct. So if you just give me a moment. And uh, she's, she's there, and uh, the Lord spoke to her that the door to New Zealand is open, but not just to pour out, but because of what New Zealand would pour out to you. This angel came in her room, and she asked, what is this? Who is he? And give me his name. And it happened for three nights in a row. And she asked the same question, is he here for me? And the Lord said to her, no. And he said, and, and the angel stood there, and, and from head to toe was this flag, and it was the flag of New Zealand. And the Lord said to her, this is the angel that you will awaken in New Zealand, the angel of revival. And that same angel is the angel that will follow you back to Houston, Texas and go and tell Matthew Bismarck. When she told the story of the angel, the presence of God that night, um, and, and I've got the recording of, of what happened there, and you can, you can feel the passion, the emotion, and the Holy Spirit descending upon them in a most remarkable way. And... Uh, in the middle of all of this, I had been talking to Matthew Bismarck, and I, and I said to him, who are some of the great preachers 
around the world today because he's connected to everybody. And of course, uh, I don't know whether you realize this or not, but the greatest preachers in the world are coming out of Africa and are, are generally um, African-American or that, or, that ta- or that sort of ethnic origin. And, uh, and so he gave me a list of guys, and I just, I just happened to li- listen to a guy by the name of um, Bishop Duncan Williams. Never heard of him before. And uh, I chose off YouTube one of the videos, and this video basically was saying this. this the, the degree or the size of the warfare that you're under is directly proportional to the size of the seed that you carry. Now, I don't know whether you get that. I was stunned. The the degree and size of the warfare that you're under is directly in proportion to the size of the seed that you carry. I believe it to be appropriate for me personally, for my church, and for Bay City Outreach Centre. Because we are actually cut out of the same cloth. He spoke about Mary who got pregnant out of wedlock. The Old Testament law said that Mary, the mother of Jesus, should have been stoned. Can you imagine what that young girl went through with her husband? who was now shamed, she was shamed. Can you imagine what the religious leaders persecuted her with? How she was on the edge of death during her pregnancy. Can you imagine what it was like for her to walk the streets of Israel and what would be said to her and and, and all the stuff that would have gone in? Her rejection and her persecution would have been just unbelievable in that religious controlling culture. And, but she was carrying the greatest seed that anybody has ever carried. And you see the warfare that she was under as a young girl of 16 years of age was so intense and so great. But the seed that she was carrying was so great and so powerful, it would eventually change the very face of human history. realized that I've carried, like you have as a church, a seed for revival. And we have been contended over this. We have fought over it. We have received accusation. People who wanted a church that was about themselves and not about the nation and not about um, what's going on would get upset, they will leave. But I tell you, I will not compromise the vision of revival for New Zealand. (laughs) So they arrived, about 16 of them. And the night before they came here, they went to Kawarau. And we went into the school hall, and it probably was the biggest meeting in the history of Kawara, our Christian meeting. And uh, I don't know how many people came up to give their lives to Christ and recommit their lives to Christ, probably 40, 50, 60 people. But the thing was, we traveled here, we came here, and then we went down to the South Island. And uh, Pastor Matt I. Bennett from Kawara Community Church started to ring me. He said, Brent, he said, something has unlocked in our town. Now, for those of you who don't know about Kawara, um, it's got one of the strongest mongrel mob gangs in New Zealand, 
It's got one of the highest rates of violence in New Zealand. The crime rate is horrendous. Um, rape, child prostitution, or certainly um, um, right at 16-year-olds, is rampant in the community. Um, unemployment is just awful. It is a very poverty-stricken community, and it's mainly um, Maori people, certainly in Pastor Kawarau's church. I remember the first time I went to his church about 10 years ago, and uh, I did a leaders' meeting, and I walked in, and I, it was the scariest moment because I'm sitting in this room. I, I get in this room, and there are these, these Maori young people and young adults, and they had teeth miss, missing, scars all over their face. Some of them were tattooed, and, and I just thought, Lord, I don't know how even to talk to these people. Some of them were so big that if they sat on me, I think I would have died instantly. And some of them were so ugly, they were just unbelievably scary. And I thought, what can I do with these people? I suddenly found that these people had come to know Jesus, were now his leaders. Out of gangs out of environments that some of you wouldn't even think exist in our nation. That's his church. They have become my friends. I've helped to train many of them to be great, to be, to be great men and women of God, men like Ricky Paul that some of you know. But I could list them out. Here we are 10 years down the track, and Pastor Maddai rings me, and he says, Brent, he said, something's happened. He said, today at the high school, 52 young people stood in a circle on the rugby field and were praying for their school. He said, I walked, I drove past the shops um, tonight as I was coming home, and he said there was a group of people, young people, who were um, in a circle outside the shops. So I stopped and said, hey guys, what are you doing? And they said, we're just praying for our town and for our friends. And he decided to do some extra meetings. And the Spirit of God fell in a remarkable way to such an extent that when we finished the conference, the youth conference um, in, in uh, Christchurch, Pastor uh, Matthew Bismarck and myself flew up on the Monday. And now these, now these meetings were running every night of the week right, in this very small building that can comfortably seat 100 people, and if you really squash them in, you might get 150. And uh, I get into this place, and right from the start, um, the meetings were, are going from 6.30 till 8 o'clock because the kids have to get home. And each night that week, there were, the, the altar call was flooded with young people coming up and rededicating their lives and first-time decisions for Christ. But I tell you, they were weeping their way to God. Some of the toughest kids in the community. I'm going to show you in a few moments, not just yet, but in a few moments, a, a Facebook page. And on that Facebook page, you will see testimonies, but of the toughest kids in the school that have come to Christ. Do you know that tomorrow night, I'm tonight, I should say, the kid that is the most violent kid in the community has completely transformed, and he is known by the cops, and he's going to stand up and talk about how his life has changed because Jesus has invaded him with his love. There's a, there's a, there's a video up there. It's Pastor 
Mad-Eye, speaking to my church. And he speaks of the story of this man. And this is the guy that the police all know and it's been the biggest trouble in the community. And one night he came up to Pastor Mad-Eye at the end of the meeting with tears in his eyes and he said, would God talk to my father? And Mad-Eye said, sure, sure. What's, what's the issue? He said, well, my father is dead. So, of course, Pastor Mad-Eye was a bit shocked. So he said, what's the story? He said, well, I hate, I've hated my father all my life. It's all of my, my brothers and sisters. Because at a, at a young age, my father left mum and went and lived with a girl in another town. And finally he decided that he would come back to mum. And we were so happy that dad was finally coming back home. But the trouble is, as he was coming back, he heard that his girlfriend was so distressed at him leaving her that she committed suicide. And he was so upset at her committing suicide that he went back and he committed suicide where her body was. Well, and you could watch it on the video. Even as Pastor Maddai tells the story, he just starts to cry. Because for the next 15 to 20 minutes, he weeps and weeps and weeps with this boy who's weeped his way back to Jesus and healing and salvation. It's like a girl came to me while I was there. And she had to be all of 16, if that. And she said, Pastor, would you pray for me? And I said, yeah, what, what do you want prayer about? She said, well, I had an abortion. And now everyone tells me I'm a murderer. Now, I didn't have to do much calculation to realize that she had obviously got pregnant under the age of 16, which is illegal. And here's this girl I prayed for. She wept. She's been getting counseling. And she's, lo- and she's been loved back to God and to healing, to salvation, and to hope for the future. But the thing that you have to understand, that even last night, in the congregation there, in the meeting last night, with now the the meetings every night, they're getting over 100 teenagers, um, in a community that maybe there's 350, 450 teenagers at high school, they can't come out every night. So you've got to understand that there's probably been around about 40 to 50% of the high school now have been in the meetings. That patch, mongrel mob patch members last night were weeping their way to Jesus and giving their lives to Jesus Christ, invited there because their child has come to know Jesus. But you've also got to know this. The crime rate has dramatically dropped. We've got this from the senior sergeant in Kawarau in the last few weeks. You've also got to know that the principal of the high school is in support. He's not a Christian. And and this tough kid went to the principal a week ago, knocked on the principal's door, and the only time this kid went into the principal's office was because he'd been naughty. But he knocks on the door and he says, I want to offer you something. And she's thinking that he's going to offer her drugs. He said, it'll change your life. And he said, no. And he said, I want to offer you to come to church because Jesus loves you and wants to change your life. That same kid 
walked past the senior sergeant after one of the meetings because there's a few problems with sound and noise and 150 kids on the streets outside church causing some problems. So the senior sergeant's there. This kid walks past the senior sergeant. He's been, obviously, in the police station many, many times. And he says, hello, and he, and, he, and he jokes with him and tells him how his life has changed because he's come to know Jesus Christ. But see, I have not seen genuine community transformation ever in New Zealand. We've had lots of moves of God but a transformed community, not like this. And the thing is, it's just remarkable because we were sitting there one night and, and Maggie from Mexico, um, we needed to get Maggie back from Christchurch and we'd run out of money. Now, what you don't realize possibly is that you want to have a revival, it costs lots of money. Um, there's lots of reasons for that, which I won't go into. So I thought, Lord, I want to get Maggie. She's got to be here, but it's going to cost us this amount of money to get her here. She needs to have a helper to come with her. And, we, and, and Encounter now has run out of money. The Breakthrough Conference has run out of money. Beulah doesn't have any money where we were in Christchurch. What am I going to do? And I'm sitting in the lounge room about half an hour before um, the next meeting that night. I put into my phone... Peter Mortlock, because I know Peter Mortlock from City Impact. But I didn't, because uh, I thought, I'm going to ask someone for some money. But I didn't feel to, 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 tech, to ring him. And then I thought, I'm going to ring Pastor Martin Steele. I'm just going to ring, because I've had Pastor Martin Steele in my boat. So, you know, he owes me a favor. <laughs> He's at Harborside, got a big church, two or 3,000 people. Now, this never happens. So I rang him up, and I got him on the phone there and then. And I said, I said look, Martin, um, I'm going to do the cheekiest thing that I've ever done in my life. I want to give you a bit of background, and then I'm going to ask you something. So I told them how God was moving in Kawarau in what I considered to be the first genuine revival in my lifetime to ever hit New Zealand, where community transformation is happening, where social services, the police department, the school are all aware of what's going on. But I need to get a woman out of Christchurch up here with her helper. And so I just decided I'd be bold because you've got to tread where angels fear to tread. I said, we need $2,000. Any chance of giving us $2,000? And instantly he said, I've, I'll give it to you. He said, I will find it somewhere. I just started to cry. I handed the phone to Matt-Eye. Matt-Eye went to him, and he was crying on the phone. Here's a pastor. You see, pastors don't give away $2,000. So we get to the church that night, and a couple hear the story, and they say, well, they go up to Matt-Eye. They give $500. The next thing you know, in the mail, a $2,000 check arrives from another church. So now we've got $4,500. But the problem was that we had run out of Bibles because, you see, these kids don't have enough money, do you understand, to buy Bibles. And so all the Bibles that were in the storage cupboard were now all used. So Matt, I made a phone call to somebody new, um, had bulk Bibles, not knowing how on earth he was going to pay for them. And the guy said, look, no problems. We'll give you $1,000 for nothing. And we've got another $1,000 in a garage that if you need them, we will give them to you for nothing. So that was pretty good. So they said, we will immediately deliver to you 300 Bibles, and then we will ship the others down. They came down with 300 Bibles, and they saw what God was doing in the community of Kawarau amongst Maori young people. 
And they said this, you know, we are looking for six ethnic peoples, Maoris, who would go to Taiwan, all expenses paid, at an international conference of young people over ethnic issues, and we would like you to choose six young people. Well, to cut a long story short, he got four young people and another two people to accompany them because you can't send these Maori kids who've never been, who don't even have passports and only ever lived amongst drugs, alcohol, and gangs. You can't send them to Taiwan by themselves. They had to urgently, because they're leaving in a couple of days, they had to urgently get passports. One of the top government officials said, I have to pay for this. Now, we've now got four kids from Kawarau going to Taiwan, all expenses paid, to do a haka and some songs and to present the Maori culture to an international symposium of ethnic young people. Two days ago, Pastor Matt, I said, you know, Brent, he said, I have been doing a calculation. He said, in the last two weeks, I've totaled it up, and I reckon that in terms of money given, the value of the Bibles at $20 a Bible, the money for that, the value of going over to Taiwan amounts to over $50,000. Now... One thing I do know, money follows revival. And I don't need to even discuss that because it's just true. And I want to say something to you today. In the most painful of times, I'm overseeing alongside of Matt I. Bennett, Pastor Matt I. Bennett, what I would consider the most significant revival in my life. Though the vision tarries, wait for it. It hastens toward the goal. You see, the thing that you may not understand is that Pastor Matt I. Bennett has been a Holy Ghost man. And he's praying for kids up the front and the power of God is hitting them. And they don't even know why it is, but They're crying and they're weeping, sometimes for hours, as the Spirit of God hits them. Now, we now have upwards of 100 young people a day praying in the high school for their high school and their teachers. We have young people who are going to their parents and asking their parents to forgive them for the way that they have behaved and telling their parents that they love them. See, revival historically has been people coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and secondly, the community being transformed, crime rates dropping, a restoration of families, and so on. Now, at the moment, we have defined the revival. We've said it's a love revival because that church, you walk in there and you just feel the love, and there's a huge story behind that, but just accept it. But it's also a revival amongst married young people that is now spreading to their adult families. And you know, to the married people that are here today, I would encourage you to go and have a look and go and see what the Lord's doing amongst your people. 
I don't know how long this revival is going to continue. I don't know if it's going to spread to Pakiha, to Nigerians, or whatever your ethnic group is. I have absolutely no idea. I don't know that maybe tonight could be the last night. But all I know is this, that God is moving in a way that I have waited for, believed for, looked for, had a vision for, for 30 years. I have paid a cost for this, as I know this church does. And you have been through similar pain that I've been through, that I'm going through. But I tell you right now, I want people who are with me, who aren't living a selfish life. I don't want people around me who are complaining about the drums being too loud or the church not meeting their needs. Because right now, I'm at the forefront of what I would consider the greatest move of God in New Zealand that I have yet seen. And I've seen moves of God like you wouldn't believe. I'm seeing a community being transformed. People are asking me the question, is this transferable? I don't know. All I know is that last Sunday, as we sang that song that the Holy Spirit is anointing so powerfully around New Zealand at the moment, and in Kawarau, Yeshua, I love you. Do you know the song? If you don't know the song, you've got to learn it. And every time it's sung, heaven just comes down, and kids who have never been to church before begin to worship. I want you to show the Facebook page, would you? Thank you for coming up, and please stay up there, but I want to show you the Facebook page. We set up a Facebook page, or I didn't, but they did, Jesus Loving Kawarau. And if you just go down to that first testimony that we spoke about, but there are videos of the meetings. Now, look, they're not huge meetings. I mean, look, there's 150, 200 people in some of those meetings. You can hardly get them in to the venue because it's a small venue. But you see, the, but, but the thing is, the rules are no adults up the, up the front seats because you're getting 80, 100, 120, 140 young people in these seats. Keep going. Where is it? Have you lost it? Okay, don't worry. I want to encourage you. I just keep trying if it just comes up. I want to encourage you to go to the Facebook page, Jesus Loving Kawarau. I want you to dig down into it. Watch the videos. Read the testimonies. And hear how people who have been on drugs have given up drugs. Young people who have never been to church before are talking about being in church and how they love church now. They're talking about how Jesus has invaded their lives in such a powerful way. When you read it, you'll realize what a stunning thing God's doing. My message this morning is a very simple message. Write the vision. Though it tarries, wait for it. It hastens toward the goal. We could be concerned about the last two years in this church, but I want to say to you this. Some of you don't want to hear about vision because you've got so knocked about. But this is what I say to you. Stay true to the vision of revival. 
because the reality is you don't know when it's going to hit and it's hit our nation. And the things that Pastor Mike Connell has held to and believed for, that I've held to and believed for, we are now beginning to see our work in a little town called Kaworau. I hope it's transferable. All I know is that when we sang Yeshua, we love you, on Sunday morning and Sunday night, heaven fell. And it was, wow. And, I, and, and for an hour and a half, we worshipped God and loved on Jesus. And the, the atmosphere was electric with the presence of God. And I haven't felt like that in church for a long time. But I know that it's my privilege to be standing in an hour in New Zealand that gives me great hope. Mm. And to Bay City Outreach Centre, I believe you've been one of the great churches of New Zealand that have held to the Holy Spirit. It's cost you a huge amount, but stick with the vision because God is moving. And I believe he's got a new move of God for you. And I'm here as your friend to say to you, God hasn't forgotten this church. The glory is always greater as we progress on. And you have known some of the most glorious moves of God. Don't think for a moment that it's going to be any less. It has to be greater. And I stand with you as you stand with me to believe God to come and fulfill a vision for revival through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I want to do something right now, and uh, I just want us to get into a worshipful atmosphere. So I want to, it's a reasonably quiet song, not a, you know, fast, ear-splitting thing. Something that's just gentle. I want us to worship God, and I'm going to do something, but I just want to envelop that revival spirit around us this morning. Would you do that this morning? Let's stand. Jesus. go through difficulties in life, through traumas in churches, the last thing we want to hear about often is vision. But you see, vision is the only thing that will sustain us into the future. 
And if we don't have vision, if we don't renew our vision, all we become, we just become a person that fills a seat. And that's a tragedy. Because sitting in this venue today are great men and women of God, old and young, who know that God has something greater and yet because of events in life we get discouraged and we just say I don't want to hear about this I just want to get over everything but you see I mean times I've been tempted in that and now I'm seeing God move and I want to just say to you today I shall volunteer freely in the day of his power this is a day of power like unprecedented. It's not about all the drunkenness and people falling over that's happening in Kawarau, but that is happening. But we're getting every meeting. People who have never come to know Jesus Christ. Some who have never been in church are going up the front and weeping their way to Christ and coming to know Jesus. It's absolutely awesome. Um, I want to read something. Do you mind just staying standing for a moment? I know it's a hassle for some of you, but just give me a second. I, I want to I want to read something to you. And it's, uh, it's out of Psalm 110. I want to read it to the young people particularly today because I believe, I think it's, yeah. I believe that for all young people in our nation right now, this is a prophetic word. But I believe it's also for other people. But I really feel the Lord's given this to me. In Psalm 110 verse 3, it says, Thy people will volunteer freely in the day of His power. In holy array from the womb of the dawn, thy youth are to thee as the Jew. In holy array from the womb of the dawn. See, the dawn, we are, I believe right now, I believe Kawarau tells us there's a dawning of something happening in our nation. I could give you other stories actually of some things happening in New Zealand that are suggesting something has shifted. And it says, Thy youth are to thee as a Jew. You see, Jew comes on the ground and brings refreshing. And I know that God is calling young people to get involved and to start to volunteer freely because they are as the Jew in the morning. Their youth bring refreshing. And that's why I believe that God is working on teenagers in Kawarau. He's, I tell you, as a, as a result of Breakthrough Youth Conference down in Christchurch, they're getting out in their high school. They're starting to pray for kids. There are other communities. We planted a church in Levin. The young people came up and they were just absolutely shut down. They went back after Breakthrough, back to Levin. They're now going out in their high school. They're praying for their high school. They're praying for people in the high school. And there is a move of God happening there. God's doing something, but He wants everyone involved in this. And I want to just invite you to do something today. And as I've often said here, to me the altar is sacred. You know, I, it's a place where we wrestle with God and we just deal with issues of the heart. And I want to ask Bay City Outreach Center, those of you who feel it's necessary, as we quietly sing this again, if you feel you need to put aside the disappointments, because God put them aside, He's not even going to ask answer your questions anyway, so you might as well just put them aside. 
and you would say alongside of myself, I'm going to again renew the vision of a Holy Ghost people believing for revival, and you want to make a fresh commitment to that, I want you just to quietly come up the front, maybe kneel before the Lord, lie before the Lord, just stand, whatever you want to do, sit, and just say, Jesus, I commit myself once again to the vision of revival through the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon Bay City Outreach Center, coming upon Hastings and Napier. Oh God, that like you're doing in Kawarau and like you've done in the past, you would do again in our community, in our church. Jesus, we cry out to you today. Revival. If you want to make that commitment, why don't you come today and just begin to let the spirit of revival that we're experiencing around our nation just come around you right now. Come on. And just as you walk forward, just say, Lord, I just push back the discouragement. Come on. Jesus. And time is in his hand, beginning and the end. Jesus. Beginning and the end. God had three in one. Thank you, Jesus. Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb. How great is our God? Sing with me, how great is our God? And I will see how great, how great is our God. I want to do something that's I believe is really important right now, and I did it in my own church recently. I'm going to pray for um, just a corporate prayer in a moment, but I want to speak to the Maori people, and uh, I want to pray for the Maori people who'd like me to pray for you. I want to identify your tribe, and then I want to pray for revival, because there's one thing that I defined and helped Pastor Matt I define, that what was in Kawarau was a revival amongst Maori young people. It's now spreading to adults. God's doing something in the Maori young people. And that video from Mark Sharona speaks to that. And uh, the thing that I just so delight about New Zealand and, and those guys f- from America, they just said there's no racial discrimination here, which is not. And we can talk about these things and pray for each other according to this. But those of you who are of Maori descent and you'd like to just have me agree with you. I'd like you to stand just in front of these people because I want to identify your tribe. I want to ask the Lord to bring revival to your tribe. And we're going to agree as a congregation for the people whom they represent. I believe that there's a, I believe that God's doing something amongst the Maori people in Kawarau. I believe it is a prophetic statement. And I believe that what Mark Sharona said on that video is a word of faith to the Maori people in New Zealand. I've said for a long time in New Zealand, where are the Maori prophets and the Maori apostles? I'm really concerned about that. 
because I believe you carry something for New Zealand. Now, let's just pray corporately for a moment. Father, for every person that's come up here today, there is a transaction that is taking place in the spirit right now. Father, people have made a choice today, and some it's been a painful choice to put aside discouragement and to stand before heaven and say, we commit ourselves again to the great vision of revival of the kingdom coming from heaven into earth. And we join with history today, going right back to the many great moves of God that Bay City Outreach Center has so enjoyed. And we say, Lord, we commit ourselves once again to what that all was about, which was bringing a move of God, a move of supernatural power, modeling Christianity in the very way that Jesus did through the gifts and the power of God. We know that, Lord, only when the power of God comes will a life be changed permanently. Father, counseling is good, but until an invasion of the kingdom comes, Lord, there'll be nothing permanent. And, Lord, I pray right now for each person that's come up here today that you would just touch them with the Spirit and anointing of revival. And Lord, whatever I have caught in the Spirit from that angel of revival with what's happening in Kawarau Community Church, I release it across this altar call today. And let revival come in the name of Jesus. I'm going to come to each one of you, and I want the rest of you just to stay up here and just let the presence of God come as I pray for these ones. But I'm going to ask you what the tribe is. Tell me quickly, and we're going to pray for your tribe. What's your tribe? here. In the name of Jesus for her tribe right now. Let revival come in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. What's your tribe? Father, for Tai Nui right now, let the power of God come and move upon them. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. What's your tribe? Father, right now, for her tribe, we just define it and we release revival now in the name of Jesus. Sir, what's the tribe? Napui and Tainui. Father, in the name of Jesus, let revival come now in Jesus' name, right now. Are you related to him? No, what's your tribe? Napui, both of you. Right, Napui. Father, right now, for Napui, where I have had so much connection up north. I release the power of God to them now in Jesus' name. And what was yours? I'm sorry I can't pronounce it quite the best, but we believe for a father right now for her tribe. I release the power of God. And Father, as you're moving amongst Maori people in Kawarau, let the spirit of revival come to her tribe now in Jesus' name. What's the tribe? Same one. Father, right now for her tribe, let the power of God come. Now, in Jesus' name. Sir, what's your tribe? Father, in the name of Jesus, I agree with him right now. For revival amongst his people and amongst his tribe. Now, in Jesus' name. What's your tribe, sir? Right. Father, in the name of Jesus, for his tribe right now, let there be revival. Now, in the name of Jesus. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, for his tribe. Revival now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, right now for his tribe, let there be a move of God in Jesus' name. Move right now in the name of right now for her tribe. We release revival now in Jesus' name. What's your tribe near? Father, right now for her tribe, we agree together that you would just move upon it now in Jesus' name and upon her people now in the name of Jesus. Two hoy. Father, in the name of Jesus, upon the two hoy, I ask you to bring a revival now in Jesus' name. If you're doing this in Kabarau, let it come to his tribe today. Father, right now for her tribe, let there be a move of God. Now, revival in Jesus' name. What's your tribe? I love Napu because, I, you know, my wife comes from north and where you guys are, it's just awesome. Great believers. Touch them. Now with revival in Jesus' name yourself. Nabu in the name of Jesus. Touch him right now. His tribe in the name of Jesus. Let it birth a great revival now in Jesus' name. Father, right now. Touch him. Touch him right now. Right now. Right now. In the name of Jesus. Revival. Right there. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, the Holy Ghost is up here right now. Come on, let's begin to just press in. Right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Let me hold your hand, would you, sir? Father, right now, I pray for a new anointing, a move of God around this man. I release it over you, sir. Now, the Holy Ghost. Right now for you. Now, move. Move in the name of Jesus. Now.
unfolding around your life. It's like old things being stripped away. Um, attitudes and ways of seeing and thinking. And the Lord raising you up. But with a whole different spirit. A spirit of humility. A spirit of gentleness. That would actually bring a, such a, a move of God amongst your people. And I tell you, the Lord is, I, I feel anyway, the Lord's about to burden you with the call of God at a level you've not experienced. And it's almost like it brings a transformation of who you are. I tell you, you are a carrier of the presence of God, whether you know it or not. And I believe this is a season God would say, bring forth, bring forth this man in the call of God. Father, let the anointing come for it now. Thank you, Jesus. I tell you, the Lord is upon you, sir. He is reshaping and giving you an understanding of who you are. We call it an identity understanding. But I tell you, the Lord's doing that because you have struggled with many things and you haven't known which way to turn so often when temptation and pressure has come your way. But I'm here to say God is with you and He is making and building a man of God, a man of faith. And I tell you, the Spirit of God brings strength to you in this season where you might feel weak and a failure. God sees a man who has got a call upon his life and has got work to do for the kingdom. And I feel the Lord would say to you to take courage in this season because God is transforming you, anointing you, and repositioning you. Oh, Jesus, I thank you, Father, for this woman. And it's like you have waited and waited and waited. 
But I tell you, I feel like the waiting is over. That the things that you've desired in your heart, it's like God opening up the doorways of opportunity and the doorways of heaven for you to begin to enter into some of the dreams that you've carried. Because you're a person that is very creative inside. You can see what would be things that should be done, could be done, and might be done. And I tell you, the Lord begins to unlock to you strategies from heaven to accomplish the dreams of earth that you carry. I tell you, God has not finished with you and He has not forgotten you. Even though you've said sometimes, I reckon God has bypassed me. No, He hasn't. He is with you. In the name of Jesus. Touch it right now. And in the name of Jesus, I stand against deluding lies. I loose them from you in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the power of God that is here to just bring faith around her life right now. My heart is tired, but still I'm singing. Wonderful Jesus. Sir, what's your name? How long have you been a Christian, Dallas? Almost a year. Good on you, sir. Thank you, Lord. Well, I tell you, the Lord shows me that He is unfolding for you the plans that He has for you. That uh, a year has been good, but now a new year is to know the ways of God for your life. And I tell you, the Lord has got a step-by-step to take you into um, the call of God. And uh, I see Him moving upon you. There's been much shifts that have taken place as uh, you've had to disconnect from certain relationships and establish new relationships. This has not been that easy for you, but it's been necessary because as you do that, God is raising you up as a man of God. And I believe that the Lord just says, take courage, that even though at times you've felt alone in what you've had to do, God is there to bring forth a mighty warrior in Him. Now, in the name of Jesus, touch Him. Touch Him now. Thank you, Jesus. Just as I looked at you, I, I, I saw like in your hand a knife that had the ability to peel off and to cut away um, messes and stuff that were just not necessary. And the Lord giving to you wisdom to be able to know what is important and what actually should be disassociated from and how to actually establish the, the real thing that I, as against that which is just a sham and not really what it's all about.